informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And good morning to you. Today is Tuesday, the 4th of July, the feast of the Queen St. Elizabeth of Aragon, also known as St. Elizabeth of Portugal. She was a princess who became the Queen Consort of Portugal. She was married to King Dennis, and when she was just 12 years old, she was married to him. Elizabeth was a devout and virtuous woman who attended Mass every single day despite her husband's sinful behaviors. Once a terrible lie was told of Queen Elizabeth, and one of her pages, another jealous page, spread the falsehood, and the king, in his anger, believed it. He ordered the page that he thought was guilty to be taken to a lime burner who was commanded to throw the first page that arrived into the furnace. Well, the innocent page, unaware of the danger, set off obediently, but on his way he stopped to attend Holy Mass, as he did every single day. When he arrived, the first mass had already begun, so he stayed for a second one. And meanwhile, the king sent the wicked page to the lime burner to check to see if the other page had been killed. Tragically, it was the wicked page who was thrown into the furnace, because he was the first to arrive. When the king discovered what had happened, he realized it was a divine intervention. God had saved the innocent page, punished the liar, and proved Queen Elizabeth's innocence. This incredible event had a profound impact on the king, and he recognized his mistakes and publicly apologized to his wife. From that day forward, he held a deep respect for her, and during his final illness, Queen Elizabeth never left his side except when she went to Mass. He died a holy death and transformed by his wife's unwavering faith. After Dennis passed away, Elizabeth dedicated herself to prayer and serving the poor and sick. She joined the Third Order of St. Francis and lived a humble and charitable life. She acted as a peacemaker during political disputes and was known for her generosity and kindness. Queen St. Elizabeth teaches us the importance of faith, prayer, and patience. Her commitment to attending Mass daily gave her strength and her intercession helped bring about a change of heart in her husband. So let us remember the example of Queen Elizabeth and strive to make prayer and Mass a part of our daily lives. And through our faith and devotion, we can find strength to face challenges and convert the world around us. Queen St. Elizabeth, pray for us. Happy Tuesday to you. Happy Fourth of July. Congratulations. I hope you have uh, the day off, and I hope you're going to be popping some fireworks off. So congratulations on that. We uh, love America. We have great piety for our country. And joining us right now, speaking of piety for our country, is Tito Edwards. Good morning to you, Tito. Good morning, Adrian. Happy Fourth of July. It's very patriotic. Patriotic being from the root word patria, which means father. So, yes, it is good to be patriot patriotic about your home country amen amen, amen. and we should uh despite the fact that you know there are bad things that happen in american history uh, we love our fatherland we love yes, to say the, no matter what happens this is our home and i will defend it and i will love it and i want the best for it and you know what the best thing for our country would be what is that for christ to be king oh yes and so i pray like, that christ be king of our country like poland i love it Yeah, so for sure, I think that's a great opportunity today. Let's pray for our country, and let's celebrate our country. Let's not denigrate our country because we we love our country. We should love our country. And whether or not you were born here, whether or not you immigrated here, um, this country is your home, 
And so we should have great love for it and not seek to destroy her, but instead to lift her up and convert her. So we love our country. Uh, so celebrate today. Uh, today we're actually doing a pre-recorded show. So we are not in the studio this morning. We are pre-recording this. And in fact, this show is actually from about a month ago. We had pre-recorded it for our GRN retreat, but we uh, didn't get to play it because of some technical difficulties. So I figure we'll re-record the first 15 minutes and to make it 4th of July related. And then we will have the rest of it be from that day. So in the next hour, you're going to hear a discussion about the Sacred Heart which would never played last month, but you will hear it for the first time. And it is, uh, it is, I thought it was a good conversation that we had about the Sacred Heart, but it will talk about being the month of June. So just supply that to July, I guess, yeah. uh, which is the feast of the, of the precious blood of Jesus. And also at, th- at 15 past the hour, Carrie Joe Curden, or Kari rather, Kari Joe Curden, uh, like Kari Toss, she is going to be on with us to talk about the marriage issue and divorce. So that's going to come up and the in this hour. So stay with us. No game show today because we are obviously not in the studio, which means greater chance of you winning prizes this week because less contestants in the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. So make sure you call in the rest of the week. Now let's begin with prayer, as is our custom. We're going to pray especially today for our country, the country we love. We pray for all those celebrating the 4th of July that everybody is safe and sober and stays healthy. So we pray for that. And, of course, we pray for whatever it is going on in your life, for our friends, family, and benefactors, for the salvation of souls and liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. We pray the prayer to the most precious blood of Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O my God, I beg of thee, in union with the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Through the merits of the precious blood offered to thee in every sacrifice in the Mass throughout the world, to grant that this day one sinner may be converted, one mortal sin be averted, one soul in doubt be converted to truth, one soul about to die in sin receive the grace of repentance and a happy death, and the deliverance of that soul in purgatory, which is nearest heaven. I wish by this offering to console the heart of Jesus in agony for souls lost through the teaching of error against the true church of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. May thy blood, O Lord, be my salvation. Eternal Father, I offer thee the precious blood of Jesus in satisfaction for my sins and in supplication for the holy souls in purgatory and for the wants of Holy Mother Church. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Tuesday, July 4th, Anno Domini 2023, and these are your headlines. The European Conservative is reporting amid the ongoing riots that have engulfed France since the June 27th following the death of 17-year-old Arab teenager Nahel Mazouk. Reports emerged that a violent attack on an elderly French priest in Saint-Étienne was related to the general unrest. The Diocese of Saint-Étienne later published an official statement disputing this, though on Thursday even, evening, June 29th, in Saint-Étienne, capital of the Administrative Division of the Law, unknown actors assaulted and robbed Father Francis Paul. Tribune Trichet newspaper, one of the first to report on the incident, said that Father Paul, a 79-year-old member of the San Vicente Paul congregation, was brutally attacked by a group of rioters who left him seriously injured and unconscious.
El Amit Tempest. How and why? One, because he had a good conscience. Two, because he had a resignation of himself to the will of God. And three, because he had confidence in God's power and providence, which is how all the saints, no matter what circumstance they were in, whether they were going off to their very martyrdom, they did not fear because they trusted in our Lord's providence and they knew that their conscience was clear. And so yet death may be coming towards them. They were able to sleep well. So let's keep that in mind today. Do we sleep well? Why not? Is it because of this? Do we not have faith in our Lord? Do we not have faith that he will take care of us? So let's be prepared for the situations, but let's not be afraid of the situations. Instead, let us embrace the cross and know that our Lord is just right there. Hey, Donnie, what two important things do we receive when we go to Mass? Scripture and the Eucharist. Great job. You're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard the complaint that church is boring, that we just do the same things over and over again? Well, the problem is not that church is boring, it's that we are bored. We are the problem. And not just with church, but with everything else. We have lost our childlike sense of wonder. G.K. Chesterton says that children have abounding vitality, and yet they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, there are so many things that I find to be topics that we can never hammer enough. And one of those issues is a topic of marriage. I mean, nothing else is more important, right? It's the most foundational aspect of human society is the family. And so joining us right now is Carrie Jo Curtin, who is the has inherited the mantle of continuing the marriage reality movement. And now her home base happens to be in my neck of the woods in Houston, Texas. And so a dear friend of our radio station, Catherine Tully, was like, you have to talk to this person. She's amazing. <laughs> She's so smart. And I was like, all right, all right, I, I'll bite, I'll bite. We'll talk to her. And I, I was looking through their website, and sure enough, the Marriage Reality Movement website is just chock full of great information. I'm blown away by the pithiness and the profundity of a lot of these short little definitions of these, um, of these very deep questions. So good morning to you, Mary Jo Curtin. It's Kari. Oh, Kari. It's such a hard <laughs> Kari Jo Curtin, yeah. Kari Jo Curtin. Um, Scandinavian, yeah. I'm a Catholic convert, and uh, it's just great to be here with you today. I'm so excited about getting this opportunity 
to speak about the marriage reality movement. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's start there, the marriage reality movement. Somehow, I have never come across y'all until my friend Mrs. Tully showed me to you, showed me y'all's website and was telling me about y'all. And I was very impressed because some, this is actually something that I've been hammering on the show for a long time, which is the idea of rights and duties. How the we have to start thinking of the marriage issue in terms of the rights of the children and the duties of the parents. And Mrs. Tully was like, oh, you got to see this website. It's right up there, everything you're talking about. And I love it. So tell me about this marriage reality movement. Okay. Um, the marriage reality movement wants to get a language through the country specifically. The left does this all the time. You know, <laughs> they, they, you will hear an echo of the same message on every news channel. But we don't do that. The reason why they do it is it's a very effective way to message into the country. And we, we advocate for the fundamental human right of children to grow up with their mom and their dad, irreplaceably united in marriage whenever possible. And we want it to be more possible going forward. So we're a going forward message. And we want young people to pick this up. And so, it, and I do think it's really important for young people to have a way to explain marriage that where we can look as we will look like who we are. We are advocates for children and their parents. And these days, everybody's just thinking about 82 people. Mm -hmm. and, and that is a very different thing because that's about two adults showing their love and commitment to each other. It's not really what marriage reality is. Right. That makes sense. And the most obvious attack against this is the issue of homosexuality of so-called same-sex marriage which obviously is not the is not the root of the problem but it is the most uh, obvious symptom of the problem and so let's begin there maybe we can work our way backwards when i was actually talking to a friend of mine not too long ago and this conversation came up they were saying how well you know i understand the church has a teaching and i understand that they that there's some coherence to it but who are we to say that they, someone who loves each other can't have kids and can't get married? Isn't that not very compassionate of us? And so how would you respond to that very seemingly uh, compassionate uh, objection? Well, I guess I, I would say that marriage is, from the very beginning, it was so that there was a mom and a dad and children. And those those parents, when they cre helped create that child with God, they took on a responsibility for that child, and that child had a right to that relationship. It has always been so. And so this has been one of the fundamental human rights forever. And <clears throat> I know that there was a Pope Francis made a statement, and I can't tell you right now which of his encyclicals it was in right now, but he said that realities are more important than ideas. A reality is something that is a truth, whereas an idea can be thought up in a think tank and you can claim that it's a reality. And you can then try to assign rights to that reality. But those rights that you're claiming can never usurp a fundamental human right of another person. And that just really explains very much in my mind why marriage 
needs to be between a mom and a dad because if if child has a right to this relationship, then to deliberately create a situation where a child would not get to grow up with their mom and their dad united irreplaceably in marriage, that would be an injustice to that child. Mm. You know, that's a that's a great point. And that's something that is often is is the biggest thing that's overlooked is an injustice done to a child. But, you know, whenever it's come up in conversation, the thing that I hear is people say, well, you know, isn't it good that they have two people who are who are uh, these these sodomitical relationships aren't isn't it better that they raise the kid than they be raised in a single parent household or grow up in an orphanage and so how would you respond to to that argument and promoting the fact that these children uh, do have a right to their parents well we don't get into the quality of parenting when we have this conversation about rights because rights this right has to do with the biological sex of that man and that woman it is not about the quality of parenting. We could always argue about the quality of parenting. Very easy to do. And they've done studies and people, we, you can easily look and find data that children who get to grow up with their mom and their dad, you know, united in marriage do much better than others. But those who oppose it will find some other, maybe not made as well, um, you know, comparative that you know, that would just sidetrack the whole conversation. This is why fundamental human right is is really the road to go on mm. which to go to talk about marriage. It really is. Um, and and I have found it so. Um, I was in an airport in <laughs> up in the west coast of of California, and it was shortly after I'd become the director of this movement. And I was sitting next to a woman who clearly you know, was Christian, and we were having a conversation about this marriage reality movement, and her son-in-law and her her daughter came walking up. And I was so used to talking to people who, as I'm talking, they're nodding their head, nodding their head up and down, up and down. And I guess, I guess this gentleman, he saw me and he saw my cross. I have a Benedictine cross, and um, and he heard the word, marriage and she just immediately jumped to a conclusion which was hater mm. and his eyes he looked his eyes narrowed he looked at me like Clint Eastwood on a bad day <laughs> and I thought to myself, oh my and, you know and he, so he came up and he said so you know I'm a physician and I have gay patients and where is your organization on gay marriage and I said that's not really the focus of our, of our movement at all. We're advocating for the fundamental human right of children to grow up with their mom and their dad, their places are united in marriage, and we want that to happen more going forward. So we want to help young people understand the role that they'll need to play foregoing sex before marriage, becoming more selfless in the process, which will also make them be better spouses if they're called to marriage, and then you know, all the way along, we want to help people find ways to have, to choose well, to form well before they get married, to um, to help those who are struggling in marriages. And then I said, and when, and then I explained about that when marriage was redefined, because we don't, we don't, we don't say, and we want to get rid of same-sex marriage. 
No. <clears throat> that, that may be a consequence of something, but it's certainly not our focus. But when marriage is redefined, and this is what we really have to have to understand and start sharing with other people, we've lost the only institution that unites a mom and a dad to their children. Hmm. So this is what I said to this man, and then I turned that, that statement around for pondering. And shouldn't there be an institution that unites a mom and a dad to their children? Well, this man, he stopped, and you could tell he was pondering, and his face softened. And he looked at me, and he said, well, I would want that for my son. We're going to his graduation from college right now. And I thought, you know, kind of like when God answers prayers and you're so surprised, even though, you know, God answers prayers all the time. Mm -hmm. But I, I thought, oh, my gosh. Good for you. Look at that. You know, <laughs> that language, you know, that conversation was able to really make progress because at the beginning, we sidestepped an issue that really wasn't our focus. We stayed on our target. We talked about what it was we're about. We showed the caring ways that we show love to others. And then we explained what we lost when marriage was redefined. And that's what we call it. When marriage was redefined, we lost the only institution that unites a mom and a dad to their children. Wow. That's a very powerful story. And I think, you know, it really, it really does explain uh, the situation with most people. The most people... They are not really uh, philosophers. They are just trying to do what they think is the nice thing to do. They're trying to be kind. They don't want to be mean to people. And they don't like the idea of people being mean. And I think that's really what we see a lot of the times. And so I think uh, that's really a very interesting way to approach it with someone is trying to appeal to their own sensibilities of what is kind of just innate in us. Now, we're going to go to a head to a break in about a minute and a half. Uh, but the last thing uh, before we go to a break, I want to uh, bring up this this basic question. How would you define marriage in a brief statement? How would you define it? That's an interesting thing. I would say when a man and a woman get married, they, they unite each other. They become irreplaceable to each other and to any children that come forth from their marriage, from their union. When a man and a woman get married, they become irreplaceable to each other and to any children that come from that union. And, of course, we can take others into our family if, if there's adoption, things like that. Um, that can, we can certainly, a man and a woman who have become irreplaceable to each other in marriage, united in marriage, are, the, are perfectly positioned then to take a child who has lost both mom and dad into their homes and be their parents going forward. That's a, that's a different situation, but that's what marriage is and that's what it does. And Bill May, our founder, he explained that marriage. I have to hold you right there. We're going to head to okay. a, a quick break, uh, but I think that's a great place to leave us on as to the, I thinking okay. about the idea of marriage 
being that which unites children with their own father and mother. I think it's a very, very good way to look at it. Uh, when we come back, more on the marriage reality movement, a very interesting topic and a very needed topic in our time. We'll be right back with more after this quick break. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What's the primary reason you chose your present church? Doctrinal positions, your family's church, the pastor, church friendliness, dynamic youth ministry? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, statistics. A survey showed that 87% of those who attend a non-Catholic church choose their church because of the senior pastor's sermons. Secondly, the reason for Catholics, this comes from Canon Law 518, which says, as a general rule, a parish is to be one which includes all the Christian faithful of a certain territory. And thirdly, my response, the average span of a mature Christian staying at a non-denominational church is between 18 and 24 months. Why such a short time? You know the reason. They came because we love the pastor and his sermons. He's so relatable and so current. Whoops, now they're tired of relatable and current, so just go down the street. They found some new relatable and current. Oh, the alluring draw of charisma. Fortunately, at a Catholic church, the sermon is not the central moment. Do you know what is the central moment? Body and blood. So the neighbor who we've spoken to, you know, just in greeting, but who I don't believe has ever spoken back to us, out of the blue uh, surprised us. One day we were getting the kids in the car for Mass and asked us if we were going to Mass. I was dumbstruck for about probably 10 seconds. It was great that we had an opportunity to share about our parish and that we were Catholic. Turned out she was Catholic too, and she assumed we were because of the bumper sticker on our car. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Wednesday, May 31st, 2023, and these are your headlines for today. Catholic World News and Vatican News are reporting Pope Francis has awarded the Paul VI Prize given to individuals who have contributed to the growth of the religious meaning in the world to Italy's President Sergio Mattarella. In presenting the award on May 29th, the Feast of St. Paul VI, the Pope spoke about the message of Vatican II, encouraging lay activity to transform the secular world with the message of God. Catholic World News and Reuters are reporting, as the persecution of the Church in Nicaragua intensifies, the regime of Daniel Ortega has frozen the bank accounts of parishes and has accused dioceses throughout the nation of being, quote, part of the money laundering network, end quote. Vatican News is reporting the Vatican's Prefect of the Dicastri for Communication, Paolo Ruffini, says the so- that social media is valuable for being present in today's rapidly evolving world. However, he said in an interview with Vatican News, it's not about gaining followers or likes, but working toward a better world. The Prefect was speaking after the presentation of the document towards full presence, a pastoral reflection on engagement with social media which was published by the Dicastri at the the Holy See Press Office. And finally, Catholic World News and the Wall Street Journal are reporting the number of babies born in the U.S. started plummeting 15 years ago and hasn't recovered since. Janet Adamy of the Wall Street Journal writes in her analysis of the baby bus had fertility rates stayed at 2007 peak. The U.S. would now have 9.7 million kids. Adamy writes that the economic and social obstacles such as student loans rather than a desire for fewer children have become intractable deterrents to having children. 
I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And we're continuing our conversation uh, with in the topic of marriage reality movement. And uh, joining us right now is, and I'm going to tr- attempt to get your name correct. Please correct me if I if I pronounce it wrong again. Is Kari Joe Curtin? Is that correct? One time, tell me you thought of Caritas. Oh, Caritas, I, I... perfect. <laughs> there you go. That's a good way to remember. That's a good way to remember. I love, we love we love Caritas, didn't? <laughs> no, that's good. Um, we're talking about the topic of marriage reality movement, and you know, while we were on break, I was thinking about the situation in regards to the marital embrace. So we try to keep this as PG as we can. The marital embrace is something that is a hotly considered topic when it ta- comes to the topic of marriage. But we call it the marital embrace for a reason. And this idea of I'm going to put off kids until I'm ready or I'm going to get married, but I don't want kids. And this idea is very, very popular nowadays. And there are many people who are anti-natalists who just say just are against ever having anybody having kids. And yet what is marriage if it's not in relation to children but then the question becomes oh but if uh, has to do with being able to have kids what about people who are unable to have kids that have fertility issues are they not really married and so how do you navigate this situation uh, mrs curtin okay well i guess i guess where i would begin and and this is all and i think the marital embrace is one of my favorite things as described by john paul and all of that when when a man and a woman come together and they make a total gift of self to them, you know, total gift of self to each other, and it's a permanent act, right? It's an act of total self-giving if it's actually, if it's actually loving. It's, you know, if it's not actually completely open to whatever the Lord would send at that moment, then it's not actually loving, even if you're married, it's actually used. We're using a gift that God made us in a way that he did not design it to work. And that is the way we went down the road with Pandora's box of contraception. Um, and I, as a, I, I haven't told you this, but I had the phone line for Project Rachel in my home for 10 years in Wichita, Kansas, and also ran Rachel's Vineyard wow. for four years. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I became aware people would reach out to me in unusual ways sometimes. And one friend called and um, she said, can I come over? And I said, sure. And she said, well, she got there and she said, well, you know, I'm pregnant with my third. And my husband said, well, you know, we, we agreed that two was a good number. Mm. And so, you know, because they were contraceptive, right? And so they had this contraceptive mentality, this idea that we could have sex and no babies. And so he said, she said, my choice is a divorce or an abortion. Wow. And I looked at her and I said, you know, if you destroy the very embodiment of this love between the two of you, she don't know how you're going to stay married. Mm. And she said, you're right. She went back. She said, I can't do it. And they had their third child. Another friend, I, I was flying into where she was, and I called her on the phone, and she was all about babies. I mean, she just loved babies. Um, she would help moms learn to breastfeed and all that. And, and so I called her and I said, how are you? And she said, I'm not well. I said, well, what's going on? And she said, well, I got pregnant with my fifth, and my husband 
and my mother-in-law said, well, you know, we all agree that you can't handle more than four. Wow. And she said, I just had an abortion. Oh. And within, yeah, and within one year, that beautiful marriage shattered. Mm. So this idea, even within marriage, we can get this idea that we can have sex and no babies and not be open to God. And when we, you know, so when we do that, and, and you know, when you think about what contraception does, and I know I'm, I'm a little out of, out of the target range right now, but it is so important for marriage, you know, that, that when, we, when we contracept, we're saying, I, I give myself totally to you, but not really, because I'm not giving this part. This possibility that I, you know, that we could bring forth this new child. And therefore, in a moment when God might have chosen to create a new soul, he cannot. Right. You know, it's so interesting you, you bring that up. I just, that it, it, it's so heartbreaking. And I'm thinking of the fact that the, what we value is something, is so perverted nowadays, what we value. And the question that I was I was asked by a professor of mine, he he always would bring this up, and he brought it up in the context of metaphysics, but it also applies to just everything in general. And he says, unto what end? And I think that was a beautiful thing to say, to, a question to ask, unto what end? And I kind of asked myself that in many situations. And I think about that in regards to marriage. What is the point of you getting married when someone is discerning marriage, unto what end? If it's unto the end of... I just want to have fun. I just want to think I'll be more, I would receive more pleasure by being united to this person. Uh, I have more money by being united to this person. It then becomes myself I'm using instead of loving. Uh, whereas uh -huh. this idea of understanding the proper end of marriage helps to us to understand what love is. And so let's go there. Am I loving or using is the question that I guess I'm asking. What, what is the, how do we navigate that? Well, you know, in, I'm looking at I'm looking online. We actually have a section on "Am I loving or using?" Um, just know that on the website you could type in "Am I loving or using," and you would get what John Paul had to say about that. Um, so, yeah, people, a person must always be an end in, it, in themselves. A person must never be a means to an end. So, when we're when we're coming together in this sexual act and we are married. Even then, this sort of needs to be an, you know, I listened to a tape one time. I was amazed. It was like the man should have, especially, have a sort of a moment of stop. Why are we coming together right now? Am I doing this to show my love and commitment to this other person? Or is it just about me? And if for the man it's just about them, then that's you. And I'm just like, wow, John Paul. I mean, he was just amazing what, you know, how he would, explain this total self-giving that we need to give to each other and and i think that you know it's it's hard in this world where sexuality has been so cheapened you know we've taken something that was a beautiful echo of the trinity right the the, the man and the woman let us make man in our own image male and female he created them where's the third person well you know this love between the two of them is so real that in nine months you might need to give it a name. I mean, <laughs> I mean, isn't it just amazing when you think of how we image the Trinity that way? I, I've spoken. Um, I went around tables at a at a because uh, of a convert. I'm very comfortable at Protestant gatherings as well. And 
I was at a gathering where I was kind of going around to tables and um, and just talking about this with, you know, with Protestants who'd never heard that before. And there are a lot of Catholics that haven't either. Never heard this idea that we image the Trinity, you know, in a way that it feels like a, a holy act in many ways when done with, with the self-giving nature that we ideally could have. But obviously, we're not going to be perfect in all of that, but but it really is it is just incredible what marriage was, and I think that's part of why we have just turned it into something so you know the sexual act has been so cheapened. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that I think people internally know that something is not right, and they're trying to make it right, but they're going about it in all the wrong ways. <clears throat> Absolutely, absolutely. I think this is a very, very concerning situation we find ourselves in in the society. But uh, there is a way forward. There is a way forward. And we're going to talk about that way forward when we come back. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, more on the topic of marriage reality movement, a very good movement trying to promote the reality of the uniting of a man and a woman for the sake of the child. And that's the emphasis. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Many committed Christians hold to this axiom. If it's in the Bible, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, here you go. 1 Timothy 2 states the following about women as related to church life. No braiding the hair, no gold jewelry, no pearls. Just learn in silence and do not teach. Does your pastor comply with these biblical instructions? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, an unpleasant fact. Many self-proclaimed Bible-only churches, sadly, will pick and choose what parts of the Bible are implemented in the life of the church. Secondly, Catholic catechism. Be especially attentive to, quote, the content and unity of the whole scripture. And thirdly, a tough comeback. In order to understand the sacred author's intention, we must take into account culture, audience, and the literary genre. So if your Bible-only church does not strictly obey those instructions, then tell me the reason why. Well, we know... You know, 80% of your church is handled by women. So with those instructions in force, many women will leave your church, maybe even the pastor's wife. Ouch. Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, we're talking about the issue of the broken marriages, broken families, this degradation of of what marriage is. And joining us to talk about this is Kari Joe Curtin, like Kari Toss. See, I remember, I remember. And we're talking about the, the group, the Marriage Reality Movement, and one thing I wanted to bring up, I want to talk about solutions for, but before we do, one thing I wanted to kind of bring up is this idea that I have, or I guess not I have, but of that there that's out there that you can't have kids until you're ready. And this idea of a nebulous ready. And so this comes in many forms. Some people, it comes in the form of never getting married to begin with, and you have people who just stay single their whole lives or you have the other option of people who end up cohabitating but never get married or you have the other option where they people do get married but are always waiting until 
they have, okay, I need enough money, I need the right house, I need X, I need Z, I need training, I don't, I don't know how to be a mom, I don't know how to be a dad, and they're scared to have kids. And it's kind of understandable because of our broken families. I know a number of people, very good friends of mine, who are ter- were terrified, now they're fathers, but they were terrified <laughs> of having kids because they were like, I grew up in a broken family, and I don't know how to be a dad. And it's kind of understandable, but what's what's the situation like here, and what's the way forward? Hmm. Well, I, th- I think that it is very difficult in, in a world like this with so many broken homes to, um, you know, to try and put it back together. It, it is very difficult. Um, I was, again, I, I had a conversation with a young man. It's interesting how they come up. But um, this this young man, and I was looking up at him, he was the lifeguard, and I was the only person at a therapy pool. And I looked <laughs> up at him at one point, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm the director of the marriage reality movement advocating for the fundamental human right of children to grow up with their mom and their dad united in marriage. And he looked at me, and he said, and I bet he not talked about it, he said, I was five, my sister was two. They could have waited. They could have tried harder. And he just opened up, you know, and and it just, there is a sense that the kids are carrying crosses that really, I mean, the parents need to find ways to carry the crosses rather than the children, if at all possible. And, and that means staying married if they can. You know, if they can. And believe that God, when they made those vows, that God didn't, have two perfect people that were married, but, you know, we've had two people that through their interactions with each other are to grow toward God and toward holiness. And that's really what we want for our children as well. So even somebody who's been through divorce, they don't want that for their children, right? And and then there's a there's a book I'm trying to put. It's called Layla Miller wrote a book, and I can't remember right now. Maybe it'll come to me. But it's a book where there are all of these um, young people that open up anonymously mm. as adults talking about, like, I hope my parents never see that, you know, that figure out that this is me saying this because I never want them to know how broken I am, you know, <laughs> from this divorce. And, you know, those are hard things, and, and I can understand people being afraid, kind of afraid of making that commitment. We can help people prepare for, you know, I think, I think self, in, in a world that where everything is instant gratification, <laughs> you know, selflessness is, is in, you know, in so much need. We need to create more selfless people out right. there. And, and I, told, I told my kids, you know, if, if, and this has to do with contraception in a way, but it's interesting. When you, you know, I said to my sons, if you find a woman who's willing to not use contraception in the marriage, you will find a woman who will not put a career ahead of her family. Mm, very good. And I, to my daughter, similarly, if you find a man who's ready before you get married, is willing to not contracept in marriage and is not you know, having sex outside of marriage, you will find that when he goes out of town, you will not be worrying about him. <laughs> Very good. And the name of that Very book, good. by the way, is Primal Loss. That's right. Primal Loss. I love that book. It's really beautiful. 
I have a question. You you said uh, the children should not be bearing the cross of the divorce because that's what they ultimately are doing. I remember listening to another Catholic therapist recounting this one story where the parents asked their child, now, after what we've told you, all the problems mommy and daddy are having, do you still want us to divorce? And the child crying said, no, I don't want you to divorce at all. And they stayed married. Now, outside of physical abuse, should a couple stay married no matter what for the children? Would, would well, you, would, how would you, how would you uh, con- explain that? Well, Bill, Bill May, our founder, um, he, you know, he made the comment that, and I think that what you just said echoes this so well, that there, there may come a time where this mom and this, this dad no longer see each other as irreplaceable to each other, but through the eyes of the child, the child sees them as an irreplaceable couple, the mom and the dad together, always. That's a good start. And I, I do think so. I, I think it, it is very important for us to kind of stop and, and step back from the edge of, of you know, because it is, gosh, it's a very hard world. I do think we can make a difference. Young people, um, one of the things that our marriage reality movement is trying to do also is to help people understand about loving and using and they have the right also, the fundamental human right, to know the truth about sexuality in marriage. So we don't want things taught in the schools that are contrary to what reality is. Yeah. Um, I also... No, go ahead. Yeah, there's, a, there's a book also, um, I don't know if you've heard of it, called Cheap Sex. Have you heard about that book? I have not. Uh, oh, <laughs> no, I can't remember the author. But Cheap Sex is a book written by a sociologist who was, I think he's a... Baylor University. Anyway, um, and he came and gave a talk at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Walsingham about this, and he, he's really trying to help women understand that they can play such a key role in, you know, in helping to, our men to be the people they need to become. And part of that, again, is saying no to sex before marriage yes. rather than giving it out cheaply. If, if you're going to give out all of that cheaply, then why would a, a guy feel like he needs to step up and become this different person in order to, you know, be with this, you know, this this wonderful woman forever that he now knows and loves? Um, I think Steve Wood years ago also talked about how, the, you know, that when you when a woman says no, prior, you know, to sexual act prior to marriage, the the man and the women will develop a toolkit of different ways to say I love you. That mm. might never otherwise be developed because for a man it's often so physical that 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 becomes the focus of it, and you miss that opportunity to have all of those other things be developed prior to marriage. And I thought that was a very wise comment as well. You know, I want to go back for a second on something you had second said a moment ago, and that was that kids or that young people rather have a right to know. The, the truth about uh, about human sexuality. And I think that's interesting because we do have a right to the truth. Like, broadly speaking, obviously it's, it's instantiated in particular truths, but we have a right to the truth, and that's something that is often overlooked, is we do not have right to lies, but we do have rights to truth. And it's for kids as well as for everybody is to, the, to, teach, these, to teach lies to kids and to just anybody is an abuse of the language, and it's an abuse 
of our kids to do this. Uh, would you would you agree with that? Would how would you instantiate that in uh, in the particular? <laughs> yes, very much. I w- I would believe that. Um, I would agree with that completely. Um, I guess you know it's it's going to be very hard these days because of the culture. The culture. Hang on, just I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to walk away from it. Um, so, um, sorry, just kind of got off track there. <clears throat> This culture is, is such a difficult place to, to be able to see the truth of what marriage is. And um, I'm going to maybe ask That's no problem. More. Yeah, it's very interesting to me because I, I think that this whole idea of rights is is so lost because we we talk about everything being a right. And because and it's kind of like the, the joke from from uh, the Incredibles, if everyone's a super, no one is. Uh, but it's true though, because if everything is a right, if I have a, have a right to to be uh, to be respected, if I have a right to uh, to other people's admiration, if I have a right to people's attention, and so on and so forth, if there, everybody has rights to everything, then there there's no meaning to the rights. But and then we right. lose what actually is a right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct about that, and and. There's another thing that people don't have a right to um, that Bill May kind of, the way that we word, we, we talk about a child's right to this relationship um, because Bill May says no one, and he goes through all the Catholic teaching, you know, human rights teaching, he knows, knew so much about it, but he said that, um, that we do not have a right to another person. So people don't have a right to have a baby. Mm. They do not. That's God, a great they, point, especially now that we see surrogacy on the rise. Right, right, absolutely. So, right, another person, but they do have a right to this relationship, and and that is a very key thing. This relationship, and that was created because of actions by the parents that created this child. Amen. Amen. That's a great point to to uh, to keep in mind. And that is the idea that, yes, the kid, the children, have a right to the relationship that is what we call marriage. And to say that some, that a parents, and this is, oh, I'm so glad you brought this up, to say that parents have a right to kids or to a married couple or to any person has a right to a kid is a perversion, which is we see a lot of single women who never got married saying, oh, I want to adopt, oh, I want to have a surrogate, or I want to have this, I want to have that. Uh, we see it among mm-hmm. same-sex couples, uh, so-called same-sex marriages. So, yeah. We see it with uh, people who just don't want to endure pregnancy. They don't. They want the uh, they want the crown without the cross, and they say, "Oh, I want to get pregnant and have kids, but I don't want to do it, so I'm going to hire someone to do it instead." Because they believe that they have a right to kids. We're just about out of time. Any last comments? And uh, where can people get in touch with you? Oh yes. Um... We would love to have more people join the Marriage Reality Movement. If you go to marriagerealitymovement.org, you can join online. And I will I can make two PDFs that I attach like, to my newsletter. There you go. Marriagerealitymovement.org. She said, sign up there and you can get the newsletter. So marriagerealitymovement.org. Go there and join the movement. God bless you and God love you, Mrs. Curtin. Thank you so much. And that's going to do it for the first hour. Stay with us. In the next hour, we're going to be talking about the sacred heart of Jesus. All this and more with Catholic Drive Time coming up by Miss Minutes. I'm in a good place in my life. 
And I'm energized by new adventures. I've got friends to laugh with. And a good relationship. But even though I'm kind of comfortable, I sometimes wonder, is there something more? Could God in church be what you're looking for? Come and see at catholicscomehome.com. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. How much havoc would be caused at your church if your pastor brought a big statue of St. Peter or St. Paul and placed them in the sanctuary? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history's on the side of the Catholic Church. Christian art in many forms dates way back to about 120 A.D., and so do those various Christian symbols which we still see today. You know, a dove, a fish, a lamb. Why are those okay? Secondly, the Bible, Exodus, Numbers, and Ezekiel... All these books show God telling Moses, David, or Ezekiel to carve out images of angels that were used in worship. And and thirdly, a tough comeback, especially for my guy friends. Does Cooperstown, Canton, or Cleveland mean anything to you? Yep, the Hall of Fame locations filled with statues, jerseys, bats, and balls. Memorabilia is a $37 billion industry, but you say, don't bring a statue into my church. Well, how many of you guys have admired one of those bronze statues of an athlete? I'd rather stare at St. Peter's, Paul, and Mary in my church, and I'm not talking about the old folk band. I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know, and now in these past couple years that I've been listening to, I've learned so much. Your connection to our treasured Catholic faith all day, every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Father Ricardo Ariola from St. Bartholomew the Apostle. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. A very great day. If you don't know what tomorrow is, then I don't know what you're doing. You're missing out. Tomorrow is the beginning of the feast, or of the month, rather, of the sacred heart of Jesus. No matter what anybody tells you, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. They're going to try to tell you that this month is dedicated to X, or this month is dedicated to Y, or this month is dedicated to Z. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. They have no idea what they're talking about. The month of June has always been dedicated to the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, I thought it would be a great opportunity on the eve before the feast or the month of the sacred heart to talk a little bit about the sacred heart. So there's a great book by Father Peter, and I'm going to pronounce, mispronounce his name, Arnaut. He's a Jesuit from 19, early 1900s. Sounds the book French. was uh, published in 1846. The name of the book, Imitation of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which obviously is a, is a play on the imitation of Christ, a much, much older work. But the book was originally pro- published in 1846, and it's all about the Sacred Heart. And so I thought it would be interesting to to kind of draw out a couple passages from this book 
and kind of read them to you and then talk about a little bit of the ideas behind them and some meditations behind them. I think it's very, very beautiful, and you're going to be, I believe, very edified by this. And I believe if you would like to purchase the book, I think you can get it out of 10 books, but I, it may be out of print. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, you can certainly find it online. I think at catholictradition.org, they have the entirety of the book out there for free if you would, if you like reading, if you're okay with reading online. Um, I, I'm really not a huge fan of reading online, but sometimes it's, you can do what you got to do whenever it's books that are out of print. But I want to skip around, so I was gonna, I'm going to grab something from Chapter 2, a little bit from Chapter like 12, and here and there. As a, it's excellent and worthy of bringing up. So let's start here. Chapter 2, that no object in this world can set our hearts truly at rest or make it truly contented. Now, this is something that is very important because we kind of have this misunderstanding of happiness in this world. And Father here explains how there is nothing in the world that can actually satisfy us. Oh, let me read this to you. He says the voice of Jesus. And so before I go on, it goes back and forth on sections that will say the voice of Jesus, which is our Lord speaking. And then it says uh, his disciple or something like that. And then it's his own words. And that's kind of the way it goes back and forth. So we'll continue. The voice of Jesus, my child, thou art created for happiness. This experience affirms this reason proves this faith teaches. Thou seekest incessantly for happiness. And thou dost well. But leave off seeking thy happiness in things created. In them thou shalt not find it. No object of this world can satisfy the longing of thy heart. Even shouldst thou alone possess at once all things created, thy heart should still be empty and wretched. Things of this earth awaken the thirst of the heart. They cannot allay it. Yea, they, the more thou dost possess, the more eagerly shalt thou thirst. How canst thou find in creatures that which exists not in them? Can anyone give what he does not possess? Shall thou obtain what no mortal was ever able to obtain? Behold, the wisest of men abounded in, the, in all good things. He was affluent with every f- fresh delight. He astonished nations with his bountiless wealth. He has filled the uttermost lands with the renown of his glory. Yet on account of the void of his heart, he is forced to exclaim, Vanity of vanities, and all is vanity. Grant that thou possesses whatever thy heart may long for in this world, that thou be Lord of the whole earth, and that all men do thee honor. Try all things, and thou shalt find that thou hast as yet found nothing except vanity and affliction of spirit." Do not wonder at this, my child, thy heart is not made for this world. Therefore, whatever this world contains is unworthy of thy noble destiny, of thy heart's affection. Thou art created for greater things. Thou art born for things everlasting. Thou art destined to things without limit. Do not then give thyself up to what is low and mean, since thou art made to rule forever. What could it avail thee to gain the whole world if thou should lose thy soul? Surely thou wouldst be twice unhappy. Here on account of the wicked state of thy conscience, thou wouldst suffer a torturing agony. Hereafter thou wouldst have to undergo misery and everlasting. Blessed, therefore, is he who spurns whatever may mislead the heart, who nobly casts aside every obstacle to true felicity, who, mindful of his noble destiny, seeks happiness above all in his creator. The voice of the disciple. My God, my Savior, thou didst create me for happiness. Hitherto I have not ceased to seek it. Still I have not yet tasted it. 
nor have I ever yet found happiness. My passions were ever and anon crying to me. Here it is, or there. In my madness, I believed them. And blinded by my unruly desires, I ran hither and thither. But instead of the sought-for bliss, I found wretchedness and tasted its bitterness. O oh, wretched me, created for happiness in thee, my God, I toiled in vain. Whilst I sought it in creatures outside of thee, and behold, I strayed still further away from the bliss for which I was created, and I found wretchedness for which I was not made, and perished therein. God, my Savior, open my eyes that now I may distinctly see this great mistake of mine, and grant that free from error I may effectually seek in thee that beatitude which I cannot find in creatures. And thus in chapter 2, I think this is a beautiful, beautiful passage to start with because it sets the stage that our hearts were made for God. And St. Augustine says this perfectly when he says, My heart is restless and it cannot rest until it rests in thee, O Lord. Our hearts has a God-shaped hole in our heart and it cannot be filled by anything except the divine. Uh, what are your thoughts about this, Tito? That's incredible what you just read there. I can't think of uh, anything else to, to add to that except that uh, it is just under... I know it used to be a large, a huge devotion uh, back in the 19th century, and it ebbs and flows as the centuries go by. But I just see... A, I've seen a pickup the last 15 years. I've, uh, I meet more and more people that are just enthralled in the Sacred Heart of Jesus and are now doing these devotions. And it is just beautiful to watch how people just grow in their faith and become uh, more attuned, more charitable, more uh, imitating the life of Christ and being humble and selfless and serving. It, it is something to behold. And if you haven't done already, you should get your home consecrated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Amen. Amen, for sure. And I think that's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing to do, beautiful practice, and I'm, I guarantee you throughout the month of Sacred Heart, we're going to be having several conversations about the Sacred Heart, and we're definitely going to be talking about enthroning the home. Um, but here's, here's another thing. We, I, I love how in this passage they said that we kind of have this idea that I want, I want, I want, and we can start, we start, can start gaining all these things. We could become millionaires. We can buy beautiful houses. We can get beachfront property, uh, but not in Arizona. And, but there, you want more now. It's not enough. It's never enough. Which is why I love what St. Augustine says about that God-shaped hole in your heart. Because God is infinite. And so if you have a God-shaped hole in your heart, you can fill it with all created things. You could be Lord over the entirety of the world. And it still would not fill that hole because God is infinite and the world is finite. All of creation combined is but a speck compared to the glory of God. And so we can only be happy if we have our happiness in him. Amen. It's, it's incredible. The whole world is groaning at the moment. People are searching, playing, trying to find the latest uh, video games to play or, or searching for the next avatar film to come and fill them with some sort of material joyfulness of seeing something spectacular on the silver screen. People are doing all kinds of outrageous things except following Jesus. And when the, you want to fill that God-shaped hole in your heart, 
I know I've not only did I find my joy, I found my Jesus, I found my identity when I discovered Jesus in the Catholic Church, when I discovered my own faith that I had not been practicing faithfully, filling that God-shaped hole. I think it was St. Augustine said, my heart yearned for thee until something along those lines, until he found him. And so you, if, if you're constantly tr- uh, a, a daredevil or a risk taker or, or trying to find the next high of whether jumping off a cliff into the ocean or trying to run uh, an ultra marathon to, to get that runner's high again, and you're constantly pursuing for something extraordinary, you're missing out if you're not looking for it in a church. And that mm-hmm. is the sacred heart of Jesus. Nothing yeah. can do that except him. Amen. And then going on to this next chapter that kind of uh, expands on this and answers the question about how to be happy, basically, is chapter 3 here. It says that in the heart of Jesus, our heart may find true rest, unalloyed felicity. Now, the voice of Jesus, my child, if thou desires to attain true felicity, render thy whole heart similar and conformable to my heart. In my heart, thou shalt find peace and tranquility, which the world cannot give nor take away. If once thou hadst entered perfectly into the interior of my heart, thou wouldst thence behold all things earthly, such as they are in themselves, not as they are esteemed by the foolish worshippers of the world. Then thou wouldst free thyself from the irksome and unnecessary care of creatures, and think nothing worthy of itself except what is truly good. Now thy heart, subject to continual fluctuation, fluctuation, changes seven times a day. Ooh, that's so true. Wow. We would say change about what we want, how we feel, all these things. So that at one time it is glad, at another sad. Now calm, then troubled. Again inflamed with the love of creatures, and again wearied with the emptiness of them. Sometimes it glows with fervor, and the next it falls into lukewarmness, and thus like the sea, it is ever changing. But if thy heart were united with mine, a great and enduring calm would suddenly ensue. For safe in thy union with my heart, as in a harbor of protection, thou shouldst be enabled to remain ever the same and unshaken. Secure against change, whether the winds of adversity or of prosperity were blowing, if thou art sheltered in my heart, no enemy shall hurt thee. The devil indeed runs about seeking whom he may destroy, and many does he drag into destruction. But thee he shall not approach nor shall he disturb thy peace. Oh, if thou wouldst acknowledge the divine gift. Oh, if thou wert willing to know what good things lie hidden therein, it does truly contain all that is needed for thy felicity. Continual peace, undisturbed security, true joy of heart is the portion of all those that love my heart and make their abode abode within the same. Of what avail are riches, honor, yea, the greatest delights, if the heart be not satisfied and at rest, and what can the whole world give except restlessness and sickliness of heart? Wretched, therefore, shalt thou be, whatever thou mayest possess, until thou shalt rest in me who alone can give thee all. The voice of the disciple. Experience has taught me this, O Lord, for in all things have I sought peace, and nothing have I found except trouble upon trouble. Thou didst assuredly will for thy own sake, as well as for ours, that our heart should find peace in thee alone, 
For thou, O Lord, didst make our hearts for thyself, and restless and unhappy must it be until it repose in thee. O heart of Jesus most sweet, O thou the delight of the most holy trinity, O thou the joy of the angels and saints, O blissful paradise of souls, what can I wish outside of thee, since in thee is all that I can and must desire? In thee heaven has its beatitude, in thee the earth its felicity, since then thou art the bliss of all, why shouldst thou not also be mine? Yes, indeed, O sweetest heart of Jesus, thou art my repose, thou art my bliss forevermore. Thus ends chapter 2. A very, very beautiful thing. We're going to go to a break really quick in just a moment. And when we do, we're going to come back and comment on this passage because today is, in fact, a pre-recorded show. There's no show live today. This is a pre-recorded show, and that means there is no game show coming up next. If you want to ha join the game show, that'll be back on Monday. So I apologize for that. But we are talking about the sacred heart of Jesus, and we're going to talk about when we come back how we can only be happy, how we can only have true happiness if we reside our hearts within the heart of our Lord. All this and much more when we come back on Catholic Drive Time. God bless you. God love you. And the most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy upon us. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What does it take to constitute an actual church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a gathering of Christians is not automatically a church. Although Matthew 18 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst, that is not a text to be interpreted as a premise for a church. That's a requirement to legitimize an accusation. Secondly, Catholic teaching. Christ established and sustains the church as both a mystical community and a visible organization with hierarchy and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. Eventually, you have to decide what one item is absolutely essential for our Lord to say, that's my church. So is it a church if there's simply a common belief in the Bible? Or perhaps just a doctrinal agreement? Is it compliance to the Apostles' Creed? Could it be the stamp of approval from a denomination? Maybe an ordained pastor makes it officially a church. So, you know that place you've been attending every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? Maybe it's not even a church. Maybe it's just a good, healthy hangout. Ooh. Ever feel like life is just too busy, too much? Constant noise, social and traffic, work, paint, bills, it just doesn't seem to let up. Well, maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace and less chaos, then find your hope today. Begin at CatholicsComeHome.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be here with you. There's no game show today. It's a pre-recorded show. We're talking about the most sacred heart of Jesus and devotion to the most sacred heart. Now, before we went to break, we were talking about happiness and how nothing in this world can make us happy. And then we were answering the question, okay, then what can make us happy? And that is uniting our heart with a heart of our most loving Savior. Now, our Lord has given us the opportunity to unite our hearts with his, his heart whom loved us more than anything else. 
that he was willing to suffer torments for our sake. And he's giving us the opportunity to unite our hearts with his. So that way we can actually be happy. Now, Tito, what are your thoughts about the uh, sacred heart in relation to, to happiness? There, there's a direct correlation, uh, I believe, because, <clears throat> yes, we're going to run into situations where life is difficult, life is a bummer, it's, it, it's really, uh, you're going to have some drooling times. What? You're going to tell me it's not all sunshine and rainbows. I know, I know. And, and how can you be happy through that? It's not that you're going to be joyful and ha- not that you're going to be happy that you stubbed your toe or your car, you, somebody rammed into your parked car and totally ruined it. It's the fact that you can deal with stressful situations with a joyful heart. Yes, it's joy, joy, being joyful and happy are two distinct things. But I, I believe, and, and I've been through this before, you know, after the initial shock, I've been able to deal much better with so many different situations because sometimes you just have to let go and let God take over. And, and using that devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus, depending on the devotion that you're, you're praying or, or the novena sometimes, which is uh, pretty awesome, that there are passages in those devotions where they give you the way through some difficult points in your life because you have a devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus. Jesus suffered and died for you. His heart was pierced with a lance. He suffered in so many different ways, and he recognizes, he understands, he knows what you've been through. Amen. And, and when you understand that, it is so much easier to carry, your, to carry your load because there's Jesus along there with you, carrying the cross along with you. Absolutely. And speaking of the sufferings of our Lord, it goes right into the next part that I wanted to discuss, which is chapter, what is this, uh, 17, I think, or yes, 15, 16, 17. The Roman numeral, trying to do math in my head. The, the <laughs> Roman question numeral, here is math. that we should endeavor by every means to atone for the insults which are offered to the most sacred heart of Jesus. And that's the name of the chapter. And it's very, very interesting that we, that we focus on this, especially when there's so much perversity that's promoted during a month dedicated to, our sac- to the most sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's something worthy of meditating upon. Now the voice of Jesus says, My child, they repaid me evil for good and returned me hatred for my love. Whatever is best and most precious in heaven, whatever on earth is most useful and wholesome to men, whatever is most sacred and consoling in religion, I placed by the disinterested generosity of my heart, by the most pure love, in this sacrament, he's talking about the Eucharist. Are not these things so great, my child, that if the hearts of all should be consumed with love, if the tongues of all mortals should together be employed to return just thanks, if the whole world should sacrifice itself as a victim of praise, all this should be still so far from what is deserved, as things divine surpass those which are human as the finite is below the infinite. Heaven itself stands astounded at the boundless grandeur of this gift. And the angelic spirit exclaim in admiration, Behold our God, behold the marvels he had wrought upon earth. Thinkest thou then that on earth there can be found a person who is insensible or indifferent to this gift of gifts? And yet, my child, there are souls without feeling without affection, 
thankless creature is that so far from loving me, the generous donor of a treasure of such blessings, on the contrary, do use these very blessings to load my heart with bitter insults. Behold, very many run whithersoever their interest or passion impels them, but in order to visit me, they are unwilling to leave their house or to turn ever so little aside from their way. So little do they esteem my gifts, so cold-hearted do they feel toward me that they are unwilling to undergo the least inconvenience of nature to come hither, to ask for the good things I have prepared, or to testify their love for me, who for love of thee came down from heaven through every inconvenience and abide here for their sake. To how many can I truly say, so long a time have I been with you, and ye have not known me. Oof. To them I am as a stranger, and as an alien I am neglected by them. So little do they think of me, so little do they care for me. And even among them that frequently resort to my tabernacles, how many there are who do indeed come, but place an abomination in the holy place? For how many present themselves before my eyes in my sacred temple as idols to lead men astray from devotional love for me and to turn away their minds and attention toward themselves? Not a few resolve in their mind things execrable, cherish in their hearts things detestable, and by their will commit sin in my very sight, thus shamefully insulting me. How many also who by look or gesture, or by their very dress, sadden the angels and exasperate me. How many there are who would rightly blush to demean themselves toward a mortal with so much insolence, so much irreverence as they here exhibit toward me. Nowhere, my child, are more cruel affronts heaped upon me than this divine mystery. Where abounds the goodness of my heart, there also abounds the wickedness of men. For how many heretics do impiously deny me? How many unbelievers do horrible blaspheme me? Whom they know not. But my child, although these things are most grievous, they are, however, less painful to my heart than the horrifying profanation of them that receive me sacrilegiously through communion. How great an insult, how abominable an attempt when men, even the dispensers of my mysteries, approach me, whilst they possess the devil within themselves, and after sacrilegiously receiving me, cast me their God at the feet of Satan, who sits enthroned in their heart. The voice of the disciple. How long, O Lord God, how long shall sinners do such things with impunity? Arise, O thou all-powerful one, scatter those monsters, place the sacrilegious wretches like stubble before the face of the raging fire, for this they have deserved. The voice of Jesus, not so, my child, not so as yet, although they deserve even at present the extreme of punishment. I wish to show that the love of my heart is greater than the malice of the heart of men. My mind, therefore, is disposed to give them still grace that may still yet be able to save themselves. For if cooperating with the same they reform, it will be the triumph, the joy, the exaltation of my heart at the salvation of these souls for which I do not hesitate to lay down my life. 
And if they are unwilling to be converted and to love me in return, I have time sufficient to satisfy my justice, since everlasting ages are mine. Meanwhile, child, lo, I will continue to bear those insults for love of thee, for the love of the elect, whom I love more than I am offended by sinners, and for whom I gladly continue to reside here. Thou, my child, will not be insensible. I trust to the singular excess of love by which my heart during so many ages endures such indignities from the wicked in order that it may bestow upon thee all the good things which it has stored up in this sacrament. If thou lovest me, thou wilt cheerfully do whatsoever thou canst do, make amends for sacrifices so numerous, so great, which my heart here makes, and to repair my honor, which is here injured in so many unworthy ways." Indeed, is one of the chief ends of the devotion of my heart to atone so far as possible for the insults which my heart receives from every side in this most holy sacrament. Do not believe thyself to be a true disciple of my heart if thou dost not burn with zeal for its honor. Now, I have to hold that thought there because we're just about out of time. And I want to emphasize this last point that he made here that our Lord makes. Our hearts should burn whenever we see profanation of our Lord, when we see blasphemy, when we see insults, when we see profanation of the Holy Sacrament, when we see people receive irreverently, when we see the communion lines longer than the confessional lines, this should cause great consternation of soul. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. I beg thee pardon for those who do not believe do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. We have to make these acts of reparation against the sins that, that we commit in our own lives, the sins that we committed that wounded the heart of our Lord, but also the sins of our neighbor, the sins of our family, the sins of our country, it's those sins as well that we have to keep in mind, that we have to act so that way we may make atonement for them. Accept, I beseech thee, O most kind Jesus, these offerings in union with the merits of thy most sacred heart. Receive them through the immaculate heart of thy virgin mother, through which I dare to present all this to thee. Spare, O Lord, spare us sinners. Forgive the evils we have done. Forget the insults we have offered to thy heart. Grant that by purity of life we may repair the past, that by the fervor of our affection we may return thy love, and that by a persevering fidelity we may delight thy heart. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy upon us. And that's going to do it for the show today. Join us tomorrow. We have more pre-recorded shows this week. No game show this week. We'll be back Monday, 6 a.m. Central for a regularly scheduled live show. But the rest of the week is pre-recorded material. You're not going to miss it. It's going to be great content. Never before heard before. You're going to enjoy it. And I want to know what you think about the shows this week. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you back tomorrow, kind of. But we'll see you live on Monday at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash.
slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Mass live from Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the SALT community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate Tuesday of the 13th week in Ordinary Time. This holy sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies i sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day the moon shines full at his command and all the stars obey. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. This morning we are celebrating the special Mass for Independence Day, where we will be praying for the welfare of our nation and for all of its peoples. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God in the highest, and, and on, on earth peace to people of good will. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you. We glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, 
only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High. Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. God of justice, Father of truth, who guide creation and wisdom and goodness to fulfillment in Christ your Son, open our hearts to the truth of the gospel that your peace may rule in our hearts and your justice guide our lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Reading from the book of Genesis. As dawn was breaking, the angels urged Lot on, saying, On your way. Take with you your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of Sodom. When he hesitated, the men, by the Lord's mercy, seized his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them to safety outside the city. As soon as they had been brought outside, he was told, Flee for your life. Don't look back or stop anywhere on the plain. Get off to the hills at once, or you will be swept away. Oh no, my Lord, replied Lot. You have already thought enough of your servant to do me the great kindness of intervening to save my life. But I cannot flee to the hills to keep the disaster from overtaking me, and so I shall die. Look, this town ahead is near enough to escape to. It is only a small place. Let me flee there. It is a small place, is it not, that my life may be saved? Well, then, he replied, I will also grant you the favor you now ask. I will not overthrow the town you speak of. Hurry, escape there. I cannot do anything until you arrive there. That is why the town is called Soar. The sun was just rising over the earth as Lot arrived in Soar. At the same time, the Lord rained down sulfurous fire upon Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of heaven. He overthrew those cities and the whole plain, together with the inhabitants of the cities and the produce of the soil. But Lot's wife looked back, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham went to the place where he had stood in the Lord's presence. As he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and saw the whole region of the plain and saw dense smoke over the land, rising like fumes from a furnace. Thus it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he was mindful of Abraham by sending Lot away from the upheaval by which God overthrew the cities where Lot had been living. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
O Lord, your mercy is before my eyes. O Lord, your mercy is before my eyes. Search me, O Lord, and try me. Test my soul and my heart, for your mercy is before my eyes, and I walk in your truth. O Lord, your mercy is before my eyes. Gather not my soul with those of sinners, nor with men of blood my life. On their hands are crimes, and their right hands are full of bribes. O Lord, your mercy is before my eyes. But I walk in integrity. Redeem me and have mercy on me. My foot stands on level ground. In the assemblies, I will bless the Lord. O Lord, your mercy is before my eyes. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. I trust in the Lord, my soul trusts in his word. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus got into a boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly a violent storm came up on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by waves but he was asleep. They came and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. He said to them, Why are you terrified, O you of little faith? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. The men were amazed and said, What sort of man is this whom even the winds and the sea obey? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. certain words which carry with them multiple meanings which sometimes can lead to confusion. And one of those words which is part of our moral life is the word fear. We can speak about fear, of course, as a human emotion that we experience and we think we might be about to lose something precious, something like what the apostles felt in the boat today when they experienced and thought they might be about to lose their lives and they experienced the emotion of fear. And of course, we can also speak about the fear of the Lord, the great gift of the Holy Spirit, which is something entirely or something different from the emotion of fear, but which has a connection that I'm going to hopefully get to explain today. When we speak about the emotion of fear, it's important to remember that emotions are amoral. They are neither good nor bad in and of themselves, morally speaking. They are a part of our human constitution, and therefore it is healthy for us to experience emotions, and fear is among them. If you're a student and you have a test coming up and you experience fear, if it causes you to be paralyzed and to go into despair and not study, well, that would be a bad thing. And if your fear leads you to study and say, I got to get my act together, well, that would be a good thing. In today's first reading, we see something like that with Lot and his family. The sinfulness of Sodom and Gomorrah was so great that they were told to flee and do not look back. In a way, out of their fear for what would happen if they stayed in the midst of such great sin, they were told to run and not look back, 
and unfortunately it was Lot's wife who looked back and suffered the consequences for it. Fear then is an emotion which is part of who we are as human beings and what it's meant to do or where its connection to the fear of the Lord comes to is the following. When we fear that we're about to lose our lives it is an opportunity for us in a way to cast ourselves completely upon God. The gift of the Holy Spirit, fear of the Lord, St. Thomas Aquinas defines it something like this. The gift of the Holy Spirit by which we subject ourselves entirely to the divine will out of reverence for the goodness and awesomeness of God. See, when you feel like your life is slipping from your grasp, isn't it sometimes precisely in those moments when you totally subject yourself to God and say, Lord, I give everything to you? remember one experience I had riding in the back of a pickup truck in Belize, Central America, and the truck was going at about 85 miles per hour, and I thought, boy, I'm going to lose my life here in the back of this pickup. And I prayed like I've never prayed in my life, and I said, God, I would have been a priest. I would have given my life to you. <laughs> See, in that moment of feeling like everything is leaving me, a fear, it also led to something very prayerful to say, Lord, I abandon myself entirely to your will. This is what we saw today in the gospel. The apostles are fearful and Jesus tells them, do not be afraid. Cast yourselves entirely upon me. Trust entirely in me. And this really leads to the gift of the Holy Spirit, to subject oneself completely to God's will, trusting in who he is and in his awesomeness and majesty. Today we celebrate the 4th of July Independence Day of our country and of course we can look about our country and certain parts of our culture and there are many things to be feared. It doesn't take much to look around and say what John Paul II called the culture of death seems to still be having somewhat of a reign over many people in our country and over our culture and there is objectively speaking, things that we ought to experience, the human emotion of fear. But it's not meant to be a fear which paralyzes us or leads us to despair, but rather it's meant to be something which leads us to cast ourselves entirely upon the divine will, to pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit, of the fear of the Lord, that we would subject ourselves entirely to God, that we would entrust our lives entirely to him and to know we belong to him, he will take care of us and our lives are in his hands. So my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us pray for this gift of the Holy Spirit of fear of the Lord, that we would entirely give our lives to the divine will, that we would give ourselves completely to Jesus, and that we would entrust ourselves entirely to him, knowing that he is the Lord of life, he is the Lord of all things. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for his physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith, receive the courage and perseverance to unite their sufferings with Christ on the cross. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, benefactors, for all those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, 
and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our country, that it would always be a place of authentic freedom to be able to know the good and choose the good. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Oh Lord, I know you are near, standing always at my side. You guard me from the searched my heart and you know when I sit and when I stand your hand is upon me protecting me from death keeping me from harm oh Lord I know you are near standing brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Accept, Lord God, these gifts we bring to this altar, and having taught us through the wisdom of the gospel, lead us to true justice and lasting peace through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation. Always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. Through Christ our Lord, he spoke to us a message of peace and taught us to live as brothers and sisters. His message took form in the vision of our founding fathers as they fashioned a nation where we might live as one. His message lives on in our midst as our task for today and a promise for tomorrow. And so with hearts full of love, we join the angels today and every day of our lives to sing your glory as we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, 
You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray by sending down your spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, Sicud in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, 
graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay. Quitolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, quitolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, quitolis peccata mundi. Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, my Lord, my God, my all, how can I love thee as I ought? And how revere this wondrous gift so far surpassing hope or thought. Sweet sacrament, we adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Sweet sacrament, we thee adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Let us pray. 
By showing us in this Eucharist, O Lord, a glimpse of the unity and joy of your people in heaven, deepen our unity and intensify our joy, that all who believe in you may work together to build the city of lasting peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May God the Father, who has called us to be one human family, fill your hearts with deep longing for peace and harmony. Amen. May the Son of God, who came to share our life and make us children of the one Father, enable you to grow in wisdom and grace before God and the human family. Amen. And may the Holy Spirit, who is the bond of love between the Father and Son, unite in love all here present. May he be the bond of love among you, our nation, and all peoples. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Jenny Granero from the St. Cecilia.